open our Bibles to Acts chapter 17. Acts chapter 17. We'll begin reading with verse 16. Acts 17, verse 16. Now while Paul waited for them at Athens, his spirit was stirred in him when he saw the city wholly given to idolatry. Therefore disputed he in the synagogue with the Jews and with the devout persons and in the market daily with them that met with him. Then certain philosophers of the Epicureans and of the Stoics encountered him. And some said, what will this babbler say? Other some, he seemeth to be a setter forth of strange gods because he preached unto them Jesus and the resurrection. And they took him and brought him unto Areopagus, saying, May we know what this new doctrine whereof thou speakest is. For thou bringest certain strange things to our ears. We would know, therefore, what these things mean. For all the Athenians and strangers which were there spent their time in nothing else but either to tell or to hear something new. Then Paul stood in the midst of Mars Hill and said, Ye men of Athens, I perceive that in all things ye are too superstitious. For as I passed by and beheld your devotions, I found an altar with this inscription to the unknown God, whom therefore ye ignorantly worship, him declare I unto you. God that made the world and all things therein, seeing that he is Lord of heaven and earth, dwelleth not in temples made with hands. Neither is he worshipped with men's hands, as though he needed anything, seeing he giveth to all life and breath and all things, and hath made of one blood all nations of men for to dwell on all the face of the earth, and hath determined the times before appointed and the bounds of their habitation, that they should seek the Lord if happily they might feel after him and find him, though he be not far from every one of us. For in him, in him we live and move and have our being, as certain also of your own poets have said, for we are all his offspring. For as much then as we are the offspring of God, we ought not to think that the Godhead is likened to gold or silver or stone, graven by art and man's device. And the times of this ignorance, God winked at. But now commendeth all men everywhere to repent. Because he hath appointed a day in which he will judge the world in righteousness by that man whom he hath ordained, whereof he hath given assurance unto all men in that he raised him from the dead. And when they heard of the resurrection of the dead, some mocked, and others said, We will hear thee again of this matter. So Paul departed from among them, albeit 
certain men clave unto him and believed. Among the which was Dionysus, the Arapagite, and a woman named Damaris, and others with them. Well, what, what a miracle. Some, some believed. Let's, let's go to our Lord in prayer. Our God and Father in heaven, we, we thank you for this opportunity to, to gather together. Lord, to, to read thy word. Lord, to hear thy word. To, to sing hymns of praise unto thee. Lord, to hear, hear a message from, from thee, O oh God. Lord, how we thank you that you brought us here to this place and and Lord, we desire that you would indeed give us a heart of, of worship here this morning. Lord, we, we thank you for our brother that you've, you've brought our way. And Lord, we, we pray that, Lord, as he stands in this place, Lord, that you would uphold him by your might. And Lord, that indeed you might be pleased to, to speak through your servant here this morning to the hearts of your people. And again, Lord, give us a, an ear to hear, and a heart to receive thy word, faith to, to believe, to believe and, and rest in thee, to rest in Christ our Savior. Lord, again, we thank you for this, this day, this opportunity to worship. Lord, for your many blessings upon us. We, Lord, thank you especially for the, the young ones you've given us. And Lord, it's, Lord, we pray that you'd protect them. Lord, that you'd you keep them, that you'd hedge them about. Lord, above all things, that you would be merciful to them. Lord, that you'd reveal your son to them, that you'd reveal the Savior to them in, in, in grace and, and truth. Now again, we, we thank you. Thank you for your word. We thank you for our Savior. Thank you for the Lord Jesus Christ. Teach us more. Lord, here this morning, set aside the, the thoughts and cares of this world. Lord, those things that so easily beset us, those things that so easily take our mind. Lord, set those aside just, just for a little bit. Lord, let us see Christ. For it's in his name we pray and give thee thanks. I can't tell you how many people who were here last night have made this comment to me, how much they love the simple, plain preaching of Christ. And uh, that's a large part of the reason why I invited our brother David to, to preach to us here this weekend, because that's the way he preaches. So David, I pray the Lord bless you in preaching and bless us in hearing the same way he did last night. So you come bring a message Christ is. Uh, good morning, everyone. Turn with me to the Gospel of John, chapter 6, please. thankful for the worship we've already had this morning. I just worshiped in that 
text that our brother just read. It's amazing that our God is an unknown God the most. The God of heaven and earth is unknown to so many. My story uh, is pretty much like every man and woman that's been raised in religion. From the time I can can remember, you know, it's Sunday, it's time to go to church. And I was put in the Sunday school classes and and, uh, proselyted at a very young age. And I can pretty much all I can remember about preaching growing up was that I needed to straighten up and fly right. My mother used to tell me that quite often. David Lee, you need to straighten up and fly right. I remember there was a poster in the Sunday school class there in which I grew up that said the way to heaven is turn right and go straight. One problem with that. I can't do it. I've tried. I can remember as a young boy sitting under a tree, said a bad word. Felt convicted about it. Lord, I'm never going to say that bad word again. And boy, was I wrong. And after a while, you get embarrassed to even ask God to help you with your problems because you pretty well know when you do that you're not going to keep any promise that you make. So we just say, Lord, help me. Isn't it the simple prayers that get the Lord's answer? Lord, help me. Peter's sinking in the water. He said, Lord, save me. And the Lord Jesus reached down his hand and pulled him up out of the waters. That's what I'm talking about. I can't. When I got old enough and physically big enough to say I'm not going to church anymore, it was simply because I didn't have any fear or respect of the God whom I heard preach. He was always wanting. He was always trying. He was on heaven's portals begging for someone to allow him to save them. Now, I'm just not exaggerating here. That's what I heard. Many of you heard that kind of message growing up. He loved everyone and just wanted somebody to love him back. That's pathetic. That's not my Lord. He never wanted to do anything. He's never tried to do anything. He does what he wills in the army of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth. And none can stay his hand or say unto him, what doest thou? Our God's in the heavens. He's done whatsoever He pleases. That's what God's doing, whatever He pleases. What's the Lord doing? I had someone ask me that a while back. You know, things get bad. What's the Lord doing? Whatever He pleases. I watched the debate the other night. I was just sitting there thinking, you know, it really don't matter. The Lord's already got the candidate picked, the president. You know, I'm not going to worry about it. It's in the Lord's hands. We get all upset and then we go, well, it's in the Lord's hands. We'll just... Don't worry about it and say it at the beginning. It's in the Lord's hand. Leave it. We have to leave it there, don't we? And then God one day providentially crossed my path with a gospel preacher. That's a God-ordained means to say. I was ignorant. 
Ignorance is not an insulting word. If you really know what it means, it, it, it means to be unlearned, untaught in certain things. By nature, birth, and practice, practice, you and I are ignorant and we're religious. I was untaught and unlearned in spiritual things. Brother Mayhem once said, religion is as much a part of man's nature as any other emotion. Now you think about that. All men... Anywhere and everywhere are religious to some degree about something. Uh, it's religion is defined as a belief or practice forming someone's thought is about worship. Religion can entail the worship of the true and living God, or it can entail worship of a tree stump. I have a friend of mine that's uh, uh, doesn't know God. But he had an experience and he was out on a golf course standing next to a tree and said the Lord spoke to him. And now that's where he goes. He doesn't even play golf. He lives close to a golf station, walks the golf course. And that's where he goes to talk to God. You know what he's doing? He's worshiping a tree is all he's doing. A lot of folks today worshiping trees, worshiping the cross. And I'm, I'm not going to get on folks, you know, about wearing a cross or whatever. I'm not going to. I was telling Frank last night, talking about this beautiful pulpit that Brother Cecil made. And, and I said, well, we, we finally just painted ours white. You know, the wood grain was long gone. You know, it didn't have any luster to it. But we had a little cross on the front. Never noticed it before. All those years I watched. Uh, Brother Montgomery preached the gospel. And I asked the guy painting the pulpit. He was a friend of mine. And I said, I said, can you take that cross off the front of that? And he goes, oh, why would you want to do that? Well, I told him why. I won't say why, but I gave him the reasons why. And we took it off. We don't worship a tree. We don't worship a piece of wood. We worship the Christ of the cross. It can worship, religion can worship God or anything of its of man's own imagination. It's amazing the things that we can make our God and worship. Men imagine themselves to be God. That's the worst of it all. And in all reality, when it comes right down to it, man has made himself his own God. He's going to have his own way. He's going to do his own thing. He thought that he was all together, that God was altogether such a one as he was. God's going to show you that, that you're not, if you're one of his. Or he's going to let you believe that you are all, all the way to hell. The Jewish people in our Lord's Day, I better get to my message, I'm sorry. The, the, the Jewish people in our Lord's Day pretty much worship the law of Moses. You know that. And in, in essence, they worship Moses. They trust in their keeping of the law and they work hard to keep it. You wouldn't find better moral people. More upright, moral folks. They observed, they kept all the days, all the tradi traditions, all the ceremonies, all the ordinances sacrifice, feast day, but they never truly understood that God's law had to be kept perfectly in order to redeem a righteous working sinner. 
And that's a word we don't know much about. You know, we, we use it a lot. When a new baby's born, we go, oh, he's just perfect. She's just perfect. Well, they are to us, but they're not, are they? Pretty, pretty soon they're going mine. And so. Kept all the days, kept the law, crossed every T, dotted every I. They trusted in everything but the finished work of Christ. I harp on that a whole lot lately. I don't know if it's just been in the last couple, three years, the Lord really brought that home to me. My work is finished. You know, we talk about retiring, and a lot of folks retire, and we work harder after we retire than when we were working. But the rest, the rest, I can't find any rest anywhere else, but in the Lord Jesus. I sure can't find it in the law. I can't find it in what I've got to do to be saved. Here in John chapter 6, the Lord Jesus talking with these religious Jews and in verse 32, if you got there with me, John 6, 32, He tells them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Moses gave you that bread, that manna from heaven, but my Father giveth you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is what? He which cometh down from heaven and giveth light unto the world. And they said unto him, Lord, evermore give us this bread. And Jesus said unto them, I am the bread of life. And he that cometh to me shall never hunger. And he that believeth on me shall never thirst. But I said unto you that you have, that ye also have seen me and believe not. Man can know something that he doesn't believe, but he can't believe something that he doesn't know. And here the Lord says, you've seen me. I am the bread of heaven, but you don't believe that I am the bread from heaven. You don't believe that I'm who I claim to be. They wanted the bread from heaven because it gave life, our Lord said. I want some of that. They wanted to live forever. They wanted to hunger and thirst. Oh, you got some bread where I won't have to eat? That really fulfills and water where I won't thirst again? I'll take some of that. I'm all for that. Where's the sign-up sheet for that? But they didn't want Christ who was the true bread. Who was the water that from rivers of living water flowed. Now in verse 37, the Lord gives us the first of the word, uh, a word used all here, A-L-L. Uh, this all speaks of the ones that God's going to save. It's amazing how many people today just worshipped the thought of of uh, Christ dying for everyone. He says, all that the Father gives me, not the whole world, not everyone in the world, all that the Father giveth me shall come to me, and him that cometh to me I'll in no wise cast out. Oh, you're one of those who believes, once saved, always saved. You better believe I am. If the Lord Jesus Christ saved me, I'm saved forever. And if I fall away tomorrow, then the Lord didn't save me. All that the Father giveth me. Who are they all for whom Christ came to save? All the world? No. Everyone in the world? No. The whole world? No. All that the Father gave to Christ. Just don't make it any harder than it is. All that come to Christ, and they all will. All who 
will never be cast out. This is the will and purpose of God. Who's going to thwart His will and purpose? Who's going to stay His hand? Who's going to put God in handcuffs? Verse 38, For I came down from heaven not to do mine own will, but the will of Him that sent me. What is the Father's will? Verse 39, And this is the Father's will which has sent me, that of all, that's the second use of the word, all which He hath given me, I should lose nothing, but should raise it up again at the last day. What is the Father's will? Verse 40, This is the will of Him that sent me. Now look, that everyone... All that the Father gave to me, all that come to me, which seeth the Son and believeth on Him may have everlasting life and I'll raise Him up at the last day. That's what it's talking about. Paul wrote that the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God. They're foolishness to him. I had a, a guy one time tell me, I hear you're a Christian. And I said, yeah, well, I don't know if that's a, that word can be taken a lot of ways anymore, can it? Uh, and he, and he said, so you're telling me that everything you believe comes out of this Bible. And I said, that's exactly what I believe. And he, he said, that's foolishness. That's foolishness. It is to the world. But to us, it's the power of God, isn't it? It's what gave this sinner life, breath. A natural man receives not the things of the Spirit of God. Our Lord said, let another come in His name and Him you'll receive. But God takes on sin, takes on the, the flesh of man and the likeness of sinful flesh yet without sin. And God becomes a man and He lives perfectly on this earth. And men crucified Him. Let someone come in their own name. It's always been the case. There's a way that seems right unto man, and the end thereof are the ways of death. Now, man's religion is based on logic. Religion is based on natural understanding. Carnal, natural mind, it's enmity against God. That word enmity means hostile. You know, it's one thing to be mad. It's another thing to be hostile. When folks get hostile, that's when they start killing people. And that's what our natural mind is. It's hostile against God. It's not subject. It's not submissive to the law of God. And it says neither can it be. Neither indeed can it be. Man says, I see it this way. This is how I see it. You tell someone the truth about the Scriptures and about God Almighty and how He saves sinners, and they go, well, that's not the way I see it. That's not what my church believes. Probably not. But what God says in this word is all that matters. And then folks are going to, you know, say, well, you know, everybody has their interpretation. Best commentary there is on this book is this book. There's no contradictions here. It's without controversy. We just can't see it. God's got to reveal it to us. One day we're going to see it clearly. What a day that'll be. Based on logic. Verse 41, the Jews then murmured at him because... 
He said, I am the bread which came down from heaven. And they said, is this not Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How is it then that he saith, I came down from heaven? And there again, can you see the natural logic in their thinking? How, how did he come from heaven? He was born raised in Nazareth. This is Jesus. This is Joseph's son. You remember him. Worked in the carpenter's shop. My mom knows his mom. His dad knows my dad. Small town, Nazareth. And uh, his father and mother, we all know. How is it that he said, I came down from heaven? How can that be? And that's what's wrong with man's natural religion. It's based on man's logic. It's based on man's thinking. Naaman came to the prophet of God to be healed of leprosy. Elijah, the prophet of God, didn't even go out to see him. And uh, he's, a, he's a big important war hero. And uh, an important man. He was by man's way of thinking. But not God's. God's no respecter of persons. All who fear Him are accepted of Him. They fear Him. It's, it's a reverential respect. But Naaman didn't. So Elijah sent his servant out. He said, go wash in the river Jordan seven times. And it made Naaman mad. Naaman said, doesn't he know who I am? I've seen a lot of celebrities get pulled over on these cop shows. And as soon as they roll down the window, do you know who I am? Doesn't matter who you are. You broke the law. That's what it's supposed to be, isn't it? Sadly, it's not. Naaman said, uh, it's a logical presumption that he would surely come out and see me knowing who I am. And I sent word through their king to him who I was. So I know he knows. I thought he'd come out and stand before me. I thought he'd show me some respect. I thought he'd lay his hand upon me. I thought he would call upon God in my presence. And I thought God would show up because of how important I am. I thought he'd perform some religious ceremony, some religious to-do. Doesn't he know who I am? It doesn't have anything to do with what we think. I thought, doesn't matter. Abraham defeated the kings of the plains and their mighty armies with 318 men. Doesn't matter. His ways are past ours. Past finding out there. Is that possible? 318 men to defeat four kings and their armies. Certainly not logical, is it? Israel brought the mighty walls of Jericho come to the ground with, with trumpets and marching and a shout in unison. Logic says impossible. Not with God, it's not. Shamgar in the book of Judges defeated 600 Philistines with a farm tool. An ox gold stick with a little hook blade on the end they used to move livestock around. Killed 600 Philistines. Samson slew a thousand Philistines with a jawbone of an ass. You know why? Because God was doing the slaying. God was doing the, the fighting. Just using instruments. That's all preachers are, instruments. Brother, I hope you don't get puffed up. Don't worry about it. The Lord take care of it. The Lord got a way of keeping His people humble. His servants. 
Uh, God's thoughts aren't our thoughts. Jesus said, why murmur among yourself? You're doing exactly what dead men do. You're using your natural reason. You're responding to these things with the logic of a natural man and woman. With God, you can throw your logic out the window. God's not understood with human reasoning. God can not be explained with, by natural experience. And God can't be fathomed with human rationality. Verse 44, God says, no man can come to me. Man reasons within himself and he says, I can come go as I please. No, no man can come to me, Christ said. No man has the ability to come. Men say, well, there's, where there's a will, there's a way. And the Lord says, you will not come to me that you might have life. All men by nature are dead. No man can come to me. No man will come to me. There's only one way a dead man can come to Christ. There's only one exception right here. No man can come except, here's the exception, the Father which hath sent me, draw him. We're right back to where we were last night. We love him because he first loved us. Doesn't matter ability, heritage, tradition, race. As I said, no man can come to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. God's got to draw that man, that one, with the cords of love. Give them the ability, then they'll have the will. How does God do that? Verse 45, it's written in the prophets, they shall all, they shall be all taught of God. And there's the third all we have in the chapter. It's still speaking about the same ones. All that the Father gave to Christ, none of them shall be lost. All of them shall be saved. And now we see that without exception, all of them are going to be taught of God. Every man, every woman, all of them, therefore that hath heard and hath learned of the Father cometh to me. Our Lord said, he that hath ears to hear, let him hear. He said, how shall they hear without a preacher? He said, blessed are your ears because they hear. God's got to give the hearing. God's got to do the drawing. Who are they? All that's learned of the Father. All that's been taught by Him. It's written in the prophets. Boy, that's saying a lot. From the books of Moses to the major prophets, minor prophets, the book of Psalms, they're all what? Concerning Jesus Christ. Every one of them. It's written in the prophets. That's what the Old Testament declares. It teaches who... God teaches. Isaiah 2, 3, Come and let us go into the mountain of the Lord, to the house of God, of the God of Jacob, and He'll teach us of His ways, and we'll walk in His paths. Isaiah said, And all the children shall be taught of the Lord, and great shall be the peace of thy children. Isaiah 54, 13. This is what the prophets are preaching. Micah 4, 2, Come and let us go up into the mountain of the Lord, and to the house of the God of Jacob, and he'll teach us. He said the same thing that Isaiah did. And we'll walk in his paths. Jesus Christ is the path. Jesus Christ is the way. Jesus Christ is the shepherd. And what do the shepherd do? What do the sheep do? They follow him, the shepherd. Oh, God's got to teach us. 
turn back a page. You may not have to turn back. John chapter 5, verse 40. You know this. We've already quoted it. And you will not come to me that you might have life. Men and women won't come because they cannot come. They have no ability to come, no will to come. The Lord told the religious folks of His day, you search the Scriptures and in them you think you have life, but they are they which testify of me. If you don't see Christ in this book, then you haven't yet seen God. Verse 42, He said, but I know that you have not the love of God in you. Men like and love titles, pastor, uh, elder, doctor, reverend, bishop, rabbi. Christ told the Pharisees, you love the praise and the recognition of man. It's a sure sign that you hadn't been taught of God. Our Lord told the Pharisees, you love to be seen of men and you seek not the honor that comes from God, but the honor that comes from man. You're religious. You're ignorant. You claim to know everything. You don't, you don't know nothing. I thought I knew something at one time. I knew a few, uh, memorized a few verses of Scripture. We're religious, we're ignorant by nature. The root of the problem, that's it. We have need to be taught of God. It's written in the prophets, they shall all be taught of God, and every man that hath heard and hath learned of the Father does what? Comes to me. What happens when you come to Christ? You have life. I have a friend who's a state-recognized, award-winning educator. He's one teacher of the year locally and statewide and all. And he was a great teacher. I had him when I was in school. and uh, But he cannot, as good a teacher as he is, he cannot give anyone the ability to learn. He can't do it. He can teach, but only God can give the ability to learn. Men by nature are without understanding. Romans one thirty one. Speaking the Gentiles who were without Christ, followed having the understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that's in them because of the blindness of their hearts. And after the Lord resurrected, He met the disciples there on the seashore and He said, These are the words which I spoke unto you while I was yet with you, that all things must be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses and in the prophets, Concerning me, then opened he their understanding that they might understand the scriptures. We've got to have our understanding open. We've got to be taught of God. We must have the eyes of our understanding enlightened. We might know what's the hope of his calling. I didn't always know that Christ is the hope of God's calling to me. But I do now. Because God's been teaching me just like he has been you. What's the exceeding greatness of His power to us who believe according to the working of His mighty power which He wrought in Christ? Today we've got men and women who desire to be teachers of the law. Paul said, understanding not what they say. Got to be taught of God. The world by wisdom knows not God. But it pleased God by the what the world calls foolishness Preaching of the gospel to save them that believe. That's how sinners are taught of God. By the preaching of Christ in this book. Most important thing we do. May we always keep that in mind. Well, I I need to 
move along, I want to ask you four questions in closing. How does God teach us? Three-part answer. He teaches us by his word. You know, I was in the dollar store the other day and they had some Bibles in there. I think they were a dollar seventy-five. You can buy God's holy word for less than two dollars. And it just don't mean much to anybody anymore. It does to God's people. We buy covers for ours. I don't know why <laughs> we get another one, but that's it's something we honor and respect. It's the most best best possession that we own. God's word. God teaches us by his word. Isaiah wrote, if they speak not according to the word, it's because there's no light in them. If you're ever to hear from God or to be taught from God, it's going to be through his word. Secondly, God teaches through his servants, his ministers. Uh, God sent Philip to the eunuch. God sent Peter to Cornelius. Uh, He sent Ananias to Saul. He sent me a preacher one day. And he's going to send his people a preacher and God reveals that divine things by human instruments. And what the, what the instruments got to do when we preach is to get ourselves out of the way and point men to who we're talking about. I believe it was Brother Todd and Ibert that said this. I'm more inclined to think he just made it up. No, I'm kidding. He said that's why the pulpit was originally designed so we could hide behind it. Well, we ought to do a little more hiding. God help us to direct that honor and glory to the Lord Jesus. God's going to send people a preacher of his own will beget us with the word of truth. He's going to save God's people by his word. And thirdly, God teaches his people by his spirit. He said when He, the Holy Spirit, is come, He'll convince the world of sin. Not the whole world, all that the Father gave Him. All that come to Him. All His sheep, all His people, not the whole world. He'll come and He'll convince the world of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment. When God's Spirit comes, He's going to glorify Christ. He's going to take things of Christ and show them to His people. He's going to teach them uh, and that's speaking of all that he gave to Christ. He shall not speak of himself. He's going to speak on Christ. And I tell you, a man that's always harping on the Spirit of God, he's baptized in the Holy Spirit, he's, he's uh, filled with the Holy Spirit, he's doing wonders and miracles by the Holy Spirit. I'm telling you, he's not of God. The Holy Spirit speaks of Christ. That's the only message we have. There is no other message. The Holy Spirit was sent by God to guide chosen sinners into the truth about the Lord Jesus Christ. And He will not speak of Himself. He's going to speak of the things of Christ. And so are God's ministers. He's going to speak of Christ's person, His incarnation, His life, His teachings, His death, His resurrection, His ascension, His redemption, His return. God teaches sinners by His Word, His ministers, and by His Spirit. Second question, what does God teach those that He saves? Well, you know the answer to that. God teaches us something of His holiness and of His glory and His majesty and His sovereignty and His power. You know, uh, 
six times, I believe, in Isaiah chapter 5, the prophet Isaiah says, Woe unto them. Woe unto them for doing this. And woe unto them for doing that. And woe unto them for not doing this. And uh, and then in chapter 6, verse 1, he said, In the year the king Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne high and lifted up, and His train, His glory filled the temple. The seraphims flew over and he's so holy, they covered themselves and he said they cried, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. And You remember what Isaiah said? He didn't say what was them anymore. He said what was me. I'm in trouble. That's what sinners are going to cry when they see the holiness of God Almighty. Woe is me. Not woe is so and so. And woe is me. They'll see their sin and cry. Whoa, it's me. The older I get, the longer I walk with this old nature, old man, whatever you want to call it, the more I see how holy God is and how sinful we are. You know, when the Lord, after the Lord taught and saved the Apostle Paul, he said, I'm not worthy to be called an apostle. Uh, As he got older and walked more with the Lord, he said, I'm less than the least of all saints. As he continued on and towards the end of his life, he said, I'm the chief of sinners. I'm the worst of all of them. Oh, wretched man that I am. Not that I was all those years ago. I'm still that wretched man. Who's going to deliver me from this body of death? Who's going to deliver me from this sin? He said, there's only one who can. And he thanked him. He said, I thank you, Lord. You're the only one that can. Third question, why must I be taught of God? Because I can't come to Christ if I'm not. Dead men can't do anything and we're all spiritually dead. Men and women by nature are lost. They don't know where they're going. You know, uh, Albert Einstein was traveling on a streetcar one time or on a train is what it was. And the conductor came down the aisle. You've seen them do it in the old movies. They're punching the tickets. And they came to Albert Einstein and he's, Shuffling through his coat pocket and his, and his uh, he can't find his ticket. He stands up. He's shuffling in his trousers. Can't find his ticket. The conductor said, "Mr. Einstein, I know who you are, and I know you bought a ticket. Don't worry about it." And Mr. Einstein nodded, but he just kept looking. He looked in the seat next to him, and the conductor's going on down the aisle, um, punching other tickets. And he looks back, and now Einstein's on the floor, looking underneath the. The things and he come back and again he said Mr. Einstein he said professor he said I know who you are and I know you bought a ticket don't worry about it and he said young man he said I know who I am and I know I bought a ticket he said my problem is I don't know where I'm going <laughs> you ever walked into a room and forget what you went in there for even the brightest men Albert Einstein do so the point I'm trying to make is is that Folks are lost and they don't even know it. They haven't seen the ticket. We've got the ticket. We see what it is. We see the end. Taught of God. He's made unto us wisdom and righteousness and sanctification. Everything that we need before God. He's the only one that can save to the uttermost those that come to Christ by Him. Everyone, all that's heard, And everybody that's taught of God, they're going to come to the Lord Jesus Christ and be saved. Have you been taught of God? Have you come to Christ? I 
I pray you have. I pray that I have. And last question. How do you know if you've come to Christ? You'd be surprised. Believers walk with the Lord for years. They, they get in their uh, older age and uh, they begin to doubt. They begin to struggle with assurance. And, and every single time when we talk to them, it's because we begin to start looking within instead of looking without. You look back on your life and you say, oh, I wish I'd have done this differently. And I wish I'd have done that differently. You can't change it. Let it go. Doesn't have anything to do with that. Not a thing. How do you know you've come to Christ? Well, you'll freely take of the water of life. You won't have to be coerced to take it. You won't have to be pressured to take it. You'll take it. You find a real thirsty man and you won't have to sing just as I am through five times to get him to take a drink of it. No, sir. He'll lap it up like a dog and ask for more. Lord, help us to be thirsty. Help us to be hungry. Let him that is a thirst come, and whosoever will, let him take of the water of life freely. Have you taken of the water of life? It's free. It's free. How do you buy without money and without price? You charge it to the account of another. That's the only way. I can't charge it to my account because it comes due in 30 days, and if I don't pay it, it gets really expensive. But if I charge it to his account, I'm not going to get a bill later on. <laughs> we charge it to the account of our Savior. My wages of sin have been charged to Christ's account. Paid in full. You know, there's, there's mercy reserved. His blood, I mean, like it's like a credit. You know, He paid the price and all our debt is covered under. Past debt, present debt, future debt. That's the beautiful thing. Is that when my sin goes before God, it's immediately paid for, taken care of. So much so that I don't have any sin. Now you chew on that for a little bit. But we start looking within. We start seeing that sin. We start doubting ourselves. Don't do that. Don't do that. Won't do you any good. You're saved by the finished work of Christ. You put your trust in Him. You do that, as my pastor you saw would say, everything's going to be all right. It's going to be all right. And it is. It is. Are you resting in the finished work of the Lord Jesus? Do you have a good hope that your sins can and won't be held against you when you stand, in, as we read last night, in boldness in the judgment? Uh, the people of God couldn't even stand before the mountain of Mount Sinai. They trembled and quaked to stand in the presence of God Almighty in my sin. I can do it with boldness because of who died for me. I can do it with boldness because of who stands, my advocate, and as he pleads my cause and my case before the great judge. Why, he is the great judge. Well, we'd, we'd uh, question that as unfair, wouldn't we? By well, that's unfair. 
I don't want what's fair. I want mercy. I want mercy. Help the Lord help us. If you have these things, you have Christ and you've been taught of God. And all that's left for you to do is what what we've said so many times already in these two services is rest. Rest. We rest when the work's finished. It's finished. Thank you so much. I appreciate the uh, words can't describe it. Thank you. I'll leave it at that. You had it occurred to me as Brother David was preaching. We opened the service, Brother Eric read that great message the Apostle Paul preached. And some believed. Only the gospel can make some and all be the same people. <laughs> you know why the some believed they were part of the all? And I echo what David said. I hope I'm part of that some that believed. Oh, I pray God give me faith. I hope I'm part of that some. I hope you are too. And I am. You are. You're part of that all if Christ is your only hope. We're going to have uh, something to eat in a time of fellowship. But before Chris comes and leads us in our closing hymn, let's bow together in prayer. Our Father, how we thank you for these two days that you've given to us to meet together and to worship you around your throne, to worship you in the hearing of the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. And Father, I beg of you that you'd not let us be stony ground hearers, let these things be quickly taken away from us, or that we'd be shallow ground hearers, and these things would quickly take root, but quickly dry up in the heat of the day. But Father, that you plant these things deep in our hearts, cause them to grow to faith in our Lord Jesus Christ, to bring forth fruit. It's fit for his glory. Father, we thank you for bringing Brother David our way. Father, I pray that you'd give him traveling mercies today, that you'd bring him home safely tomorrow and, or today, and that you'd bless him tomorrow richly, preaching to the saints there in Madisonville that you've put under his watchful care. Bless us tomorrow as we, as we meet together to worship. Father, we thank you for this time of fellowship that we're about to have. Thank you for this food that you've provided. And pray that you bless it to our bodies. Father, as always, we pray you'd forgive us of our many sins, that you'd see us and hear us only in our Lord Jesus Christ. It's for his sake and his glory we pray. Amen. All right, Chris, come lead us in a closing hymn.